0: بسم <rison> الله والصلاة والسلام على رسول الله سيدنا ومولانا محمد بن عبد الله وعلى آله وصحبه ومن والاه. أما بعد فقد قال الله جل وعلا في كتابه المجيد بعد أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الف لام را تلك ايات الكتاب المبين انزلناه قرانا عربيا لعلكم تعقلون نحن نقص عليك احسن القصص بما اوحينا اليك هذا القران وَإِن كُنْتَ مِنْ قَبْلِهِ لَمِنَ الْغَافِلِينَ إِذْ قَالَ يُوسُفُ لِأَبِيهِ يَا أَبَتِ إِنِّي رَأَيْتُ أَحَدَ عَشَرَ كَوْكَبًا وَالشَّمْسَ وَالْقَمَرَ إِنِّي رَأَيْتُ أَحَدَ عَشَرَ كَوْكَبًا وَالشَّمْسَ وَالْقَمَرَ رَأَيْتُهُمْ لِي سَاجِدِينَ قال يا بني لا تقصص رؤياك على إخوتك فيكيدوا لك كيدا إن الشيطان للإنسان عدو مبين وكذلك يجتبيك ربك ويعلمك من تأويل الأحاديث ويتم نعمته عليك وعلى آل يعقوب ويتم نعمته عليك وعلى آل يعقوبك ما أتمها على أبويك من قبل إبراهيم وإسحاق إن ربك عليم حكيم <coughs> صدق الله المولان العظيم <coughs> الحمد لله. last week we started with the stories of the Quran. And we mentioned that the whole Quran is, in fact, a story of the Prophet. ﷺ. The whole Quran is a story of the Prophet ﷺ because the Quran was revealed to the Prophet ﷺ over a span of 23 years. And as the Prophet ﷺ would go through different experiences, him and the Sahaba radiallahu anhu ajma'een. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would send down ayat. So, through the ayat of the Quran, the greatest story that you're able to learn is the story of the Prophet, وسلم, is the life of the Prophet, وسلم, the seerah of the Prophet. Within the revelation, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentioned and narrated stories. Of different prophets, of different people, believers, Muslims, non-Muslims, and all of that was a way for the Sahaba radiallahu anhum, the Prophet and the Sahaba radiallahu anhum ajma'in, to get guidance from. And not just them but for anyone who is going to come after the prophet sallallahu the quran the stories of the quran the teachings of the quran the rulings of the quran all of them serve as guidance for those who believe as allah subhanahu wa ta'ala begins his kitab alif dhalika la fih it is a guidance for those that have taqwa it is a guidance for those who have fear and love for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It is guidance for those who believe in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And we mentioned that as human beings, it is part of our nature that we learn from stories. We learn from other individuals. We are people who tell stories. You know, you ask someone, you know, what was your day like today? You narrate your, your your day to them. That's like a story. The older a person is, the more experiences that they have, the more they have to share. The more stories they have. And each one of us learns from our experiences and from the experiences of others. In fact, an intelligent individual is he or she who learns from the experiences of others. The intelligent individual is one who is one who takes admonishment, who takes lessons from other individuals. Good or bad. <clears throat> one time I remember uh, in one of the classes that I was taking, I had to give a presentation in college and uh, Afterwards, um, the teacher remarked that, you know, it was a very good presentation, said, you know, what were some things that you, uh, what were some things that you applied or how did you, uh, how were you able to deliver a good presentation or some share some thoughts? I said, you know, um, uh, it was related to education. So I said that, you know, um, I've learned from all my teachers. All my teachers, good or bad. So she said, well, how did you learn from from those teachers who were bad, so to speak? I said, I, I learned what not to do. Right, so our, uh, as human beings, uh, we're intelligent if we learn from other individuals. Anytime anyone does something good, we learn from that. Anytime anyone does something that's wrong, or that's that's not appropriate, or that's something that's not beneficial, or that's something that's um, not going to be very impactful, then we learn what not to do. خُذْ مَا wa وَدَعْ مَا كدر. Take what is good, leave that which is bad. So continuing on with the stories of the Qur'an, today we cover the story of Yusuf alayhi salam. We will find that the story of Yusuf alayhi salam. There are many things within his story that resemble the seerah of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. And when we, after we've covered it, insha'allah, will highlight those places where it represents and where it highlights certain resemblance to the life of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Now, granted that it will be very difficult to cover the whole life story of Yusuf salam thoroughly with the time that we have. However, we will try to, inshallah, highlight uh, as much as we can from his story and draw lessons. One important thing about Qur'anic stories is that they're not for the sake of just entertainment. They're not for the sake of entertainment. They're not stories in the sense that it's a bedtime story that you read to entertain yourself. It's not a; they're not stories for us to just simply enjoy. Anything that's mentioned in the Quran is there, as we said, for guidance. So whenever we look at the story of any prophet, or we look at the story, any story that's mentioned in the Quran, or even if it's the seerah of the Prophet sallallahu the objective is not just to learn the facts. The objective is not just to learn the information, but it's to see. Where we can draw lessons from and to implement that in our own lives. If a person is able to do that, they have fulfilled the objective, even if they don't remember all the information, even if they don't remember all the details. But if they're able to learn the lesson that the story had to, that the, the, the story mentioned or the story indicated to, and they're able to implement that in their own lives, and alhamdulillah, they fulfill the objective. Now, one thing that I would highly encourage, I would actually very, very, would like everyone to do, is that the story of Yusuf alayhi salam, and uh, the, the Quranic um, uh, story about of Yusuf alayhi salam, is one that is, in fact, unlike the story of any other prophet that's mentioned in the Quran. And the reason is because the story of Yusuf alayhi comes all in one place. Every detail about it is found in one place. And it's in a chronological order. It starts from the beginning and then it goes to all the way till the end, chronologically. No other prophet's story is mentioned like that. Every other prophet, their story is mentioned in different places in the Qur'an. So, for example, if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks about Adam alayhi salam, the first human being that Allah ta'ala created, his story is found in a couple places in the Quran. And different bits and pieces of that story are given in different places. One of the prophets who Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks about heavily is Musa alayhi salam. We find the story of Musa alayhi salam spread out throughout the whole Quran. All of the details are not mentioned in one place, they're all mentioned in different, different places. The story of Yusuf is one that is found in one place. In fact, the the Surah itself is also titled Surah to Yusuf. And it's found chronologically. And so I would highly recommend that if anyone uh, has the Mus'haf available, has the Qur'an uh, available, then we open the quran and inshallah what i'll do is as we talk about the story of yusuf salam i'll indicate to and i'll highlight verses so that way as we're reading the story of yusuf alayhis salam we can also connect to the quran and it's going to be easier you know when when discussing the story of yusuf alayhis salam because it's all in one place we don't need to go back and forth into different different surahs we're finding it all in one place so allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then Begins the story by saying, we We're narrating to you. So this is ayah number three in Surah to Yusuf. Surah to Yusuf is Surah number twelve. It starts in the twelfth juz. We narrate the story, the best of stories, to you. Now, indeed, the whole Quran is the best. It's the best kalam. It's the best speech. Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala says in another place in the Quran Allahu nazzala ahsana alhadithi kitaban mutashabihan mathani taqsha'ru minhu juludul ladina يَخْشَوْنَ rabbah That Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala revealed the best of kalam the best of speeches and no doubt it's the best because it's Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala's kalam no human being no creation of Allah Ta'ala can produce something like the Quran because the Quran is the kalam of Allah Taala. It's the speech of Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. There's a statement in Arabic: "Kalamul Muluki, Mulukul Kalam." That the speech of kings is the king of speeches. And he, if the king, he gives a speech, his speech is on top of all other speeches. It has superiority, just like He does. And if Allah is the Khaliq, then this is the Kalam of the Khaliq. <clears throat> and so, the whole Qur'an, no doubt, is a speech of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And it is a miracle of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It's a miracle that was given to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa It's a living miracle. And this particular story is considered Ahsan al-Qasas. Perhaps one of the reasons is because of the style in which it is narrated here. That the whole story is mentioned in one place and it's mentioned in the chronological order. Perhaps this is why uh, some Mufassirin have considered this to be Ahsan al-Qasas. And the story begins with Yusuf alayhi salam seeing a dream. That's mentioned in ayah number 4. qala قَالَ يُوسُفُ لِأَبِيهِ When Yusuf alayhi salam, he said to his father, this is when he's very young, Oh my father, I saw a dream, In or I saw in a dream, what did he see? أَحَدَ عَشَرَ Eleven stars and the sun and the moon, and I saw them prostrating to me. He mentioned this to his father, and his father is who? Is Ya'qub alayhi salam. And Ya'qub alayhi salam is also a prophet. And he is from a blessed family of prophets. His father is a prophet, is Haq. Alayhi salam. And his father is Ibrahim alayhi salam. Yaqub alayhi salam's uncle is Ismail alayhi salam. Right? So this is a family of prophets. In fact, uh, um Yaqub alayhi salam is another name for him, is Israel, and uh, Banu Israel, children of Israel. That's where their name comes from. It's from Ya'qub a.s. And this is a family of prophets. And with Yusuf salam being a prophet, and generations after them, all prophets that came were from Banu Israel. Many of the prophets that came were from Banu Israel. So a very noble family. And here, one thing that I want to highlight about dreams is that, you know, dreams are of different types. One type of dream is that where it doesn't really have any significance. It's based on your day-to-day affairs. Maybe something you were thinking about. Maybe something that happened during the day and that's what you see manifest in your dream at night. These types of dreams are usually insignificant. Then there are those dreams that are from shaitan where he interferes with a person's dream and he makes a person see something frightful or terrifying. Regarding those, the Prophet wasallam said that if a person wakes up terrified from a dream that where the shaitan had interfered, he should turn towards his left and you know spit three times. Now, spit three times doesn't mean you actually spit three times with actual saliva, but not necessarily with the actual salah, but you you mimic this idea of a two, 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 three times to the left. You say "Audhu shaitanir Now, a person for a person it may not make sense, but keep in mind this is the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam who's divinely inspired, who has not just divinely inspired; he gets divine revelation. So, if the Prophet of Allah sallallahu alaihi wasallam is mentioning this, it means that that's something that we should do whether it makes sense to us or not. Likewise, another category of dreams are those dreams that are glad tidings. These are true dreams. These are dreams that you can get interpreted. And when it does come to dream interpretation, then you should go to people who not only do you trust, but people who have knowledge. Not every individual has the ability to interpret dreams. At the same time, keep in mind, that dreams are not considered an authoritative source for the Sharia. Which means that if you see something in a dream that's telling you to do something, especially if it's contradicting what the Qur'an and Sunnah said, then you don't follow it. Okay, for the average individual, if they see a dream where it's telling them to do something contrary to the Sharia, then you must not follow it. Why? Because dreams are not a source of evidence for the sharia however if the dream tells you to do something good okay something extra then you can take that as a glad tidings and you can follow it okay it will not make that thing fard it will not make that thing wajib it's just something that is good to do you can do perhaps it's a, again an inspiration from allah subhanahu wa taala that comes with the exception of the prophets when a prophet sees a dream his dream is always true. His dream is a form of wahi. This is why when Ibrahim alayhi saw the dream, where he was slaughtering his son, he's sacrificing his son. He uh, he knew that that was wahi from Allah, and when he mentioned to his son Ismail alayhi salam, "Inni ra'itee fil manami anni azbahuk," "Fanzur tara." Wallahu taala his His reason for asking Ismail A.S. could perhaps be to include him in the reward. Why? Because this was a command from Allah Ta'ala. Or perhaps a way to see how Ismail A.S.'s thinking is, how his thinking processes. And Ismail A.S. being a son of a prophet and no ordinary prophet but the Khalil of Allah Ta'ala, his response was what? He said, Ya Abati, if ma do as you're commanded. He understood. He had the knowledge right cuz he's he's he grows up in a household of Nubuwa, so he recognizes that this dream that my father sees is not just a dream it's a command of allah ta'ala and that's why he says ya abati if'al ma tu'mar do what you were commanded do what you were commanded so for a prophet dreams are actually another form, another way of communication from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They are wahi, they are revelation. In any case, so he sees this dream and immediately Ya'qub alayhi salam recognizes that one day my son Yusuf will be given Nubuwa, and he will be given a very high lofty maqam. But Yusuf alayhi salam has 11 other brothers. And shaitan will use whatever he has in his ability to deceive an individual or to to misguide them and very often what happens is one of the things that people who are close brothers who are close very often it can happen is that it brings about a type of competition which can lead into jealousy and that's what Yaqub feared and so he told Yusuf don't share this dream why? La تقصص this is ayah number 5 La تقصص do don't narrate your dream to your brothers فَيَكِيدُ لَكَ that so perhaps they may plot something why? إِنَّ الشَّيْطَانَ لِلْإِنسَانِ عدو مُّبِينَ indeed shaytan is a very clear enemy for insan Shaitan will deceive an individual shaytan will pull an individual to different lengths to such an extent that a brother will be Red, ready to kill his own brother. That's something that jealousy can do. And jealousy, Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said about jealousy is uh, that it is just like fire. It تُأْكَلُ hasanat uh, kama uh, uh, تُأكل, uh, تَأْكُلُ النَّارُ uh That just like the Kama Kala alaihi salatu just like fire eats and consumes wood. Jealousy consumes an individual and it eats up a person's good deeds. Jealousy comes about from this idea that a person is not satisfied with the will of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They're not satisfied with the taqdeer of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. which With what Allah has ordained. Why? Because jealousy, what is jealousy? Jealousy is to see someone have something, and to want that for yourself, while desiring that the other person does not have it. That is jealousy. To want something that another has, while at the same time wishing that that person didn't have that. It means what? You are not satisfied with what Allah has given you. You are not satisfied with the will of Allah Ta'ala. If Allah Ta'ala wishes to make somebody wealthy, that is from the ni'mah of Allah Ta'ala. If Allah Ta'ala has not given you that, and you desire that you have that while that individual not have it, that is a sign that you are not satisfied with the will of Allah Ta'ala. At the flip side, there is something called ribṭa. Ribṭa is to desire something that another person has, but not hoping, not wishing that it be removed from the other individual. At the same time, it could also include a form of a desire to do something for the sake of Allah. So for example, you see somebody who has wealth, and you desire that, I wish I had this wealth, you don't desire that it be taken away from that person you desire that that be with you as well why so that you could spend that in the in the path of allah you could spend that for this in good causes you could spend that for those who are poor for those who are needy <clears throat> if that's the case then that type of desire is not considered bad to desire something but it should not be to the extent that you begin to want that that individual not have that good deed. So that that's something that a person should be careful of. If you feel that way, if you feel hasad in your heart, one of the best things to do, number one, is to make dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Make dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Ya Allah, I feel jealousy for so-and-so individual. And usually in my experience, uh, usually, this type of jealousy occurs with people who you know. If a person is jealous, they'll be jealous of people that are around him. Or people that are around her. You're not going to be jealous of somebody you don't know. You're not going to be jealous of, of someone who you're not very familiar with. You're going to be jealous of people who are close to you. So that's why very often among siblings, it becomes very common. Hasad becomes very common among siblings. Okay. Uh, sometimes among colleagues. Right? You're working under, uh, uh, under, uh, one organization. It can happen. Right? So among people who you are familiar with, people who have similar positions as you, but then along with it, they may have something extra. That's where jealousy can happen. We see the jealousy also manifest in the son of uh, the two sons of Adam, alayhi salam, Habil and Qabil. In that particular story, uh, jealousy prompted Qabil to kill his brother, and he did kill his brother, Habib. Right. So jealousy is not something to be taken lightly. Jealousy can force a person to do uh, all kinds of actions, including murder. So if a person feels jealous, and this is something that is not, uh, we should not be pleased with. If a person feels jealousy, you should make du'a. Keep in mind that is a defect. That is a spiritual defect that must be removed from the heart. A person should make dua. Ya Allah, please remove that from my heart. Not only that, another thing that can help combat jealousy is you make dua for the individual. So if you feel jealous for a particular individual, make dua for that individual. Ya Allah, please continue to give that individual good. Ya Allah, please uh, give the best to that individual in this life and the next. And every now and then, maybe you do something for them. Maybe you give them something. Maybe you, you meet them in a nice manner. As I said, jealousy will cause you to do many things. It could cause you to backbite. It can cause you to lie. It could cause you to cheat. And so you protect yourself from all of those things. Okay. The feeling of jealousy can come up. But allowing it to motivate you to do something beyond that, that's when it becomes sinful. And so one way again to combat is, number one, you make dua that Allah removes that from your heart. Number two, make dua for that individual who you feel jealous for. And number three, if any time you have to engage with that individual, engage with them in a nice manner. Maybe give them a gift every now and then. Meet them in a nice manner. Meet them in a humble manner. Inshallah, these things will help remove jealousy from a person's heart. But in any case, it was that very jealousy... In the hearts of the brothers of Yusuf alayhi salam, that uh, brought them to, uh, uh, to to the next part of the story. Um, if we look at ayah number eight, Yusuf wa la Yusuf wa Ahabu ila abina The brothers of Yusuf alayhi said so they're all together twelve brothers, including Yusuf alayhi salam. And Yusuf alayhi salam, uh, his younger brother and him, they were full brothers the other 10 brothers were not full brothers of yusuf salam. they were half brothers so that's why yusuf salam and his brother they uh, um they were they were the youngest and usually it happens that a father has uh, a lot of love parents generally they they have love for all their children but sometimes those who are the youngest they they show more they show more affection towards them and in the case of Yusuf alayhi uh, salam, uh, he was somebody who Allah ta'ala had uh, uh, desired for him to be a prophet as well. And so perhaps this was another reason that Yaqub alayhi had more love for him. So their brothers the, uh, noticed this, said uh, Yusuf and his brother are more beloved to our father than us, when we're older, we're stronger. You know, we could actually do something. This is uh, a time when Yusuf alayhi salam is very young. He's very young. Not even, according to some tafasir, he's not even a teenager at this time. He hasn't even entered his teenage years. So they're saying, we're, we're older, we're stronger. Any, we're more, we're more of a help to our father than Yusuf and his brother could be. So one of them proposes what to be, what should be done. Again, notice what jealousy is prompting them to do. (inaudible) Kill Yusuf. Or send him away, cast him away somewhere where our father will not be able to see and then. Ayah number nine. This is another way of saying: just do this one thing, and then we'll be good again. We'll be good. We won't do anything evil after. Just, just, just do this one thing, right? Sometimes a, a person fools themselves. Don't ever fool yourself. Any opportunity of evil, any opportunity of sin comes your way. It is not an opportunity. It is an opportunity to destroy yourself. That is a deception of shaitan. Very often, these types of thoughts may come to a person's mind. That, okay, let me just do this once. Let let me just do this once. I I won't do it ever again. This is a deception from shaitan. Very often what we'll find is a person, if they do end up engaging in that sin, shaitan will remind that individual of the pleasure that they got for that sin, and he will compel that individual again to do it. The person will end up doing it again, but he'll deceive himself the same time. I'll do it one more time. One more time. Each time he does it, he'll say, I'll do it one more time, and then I'll make tawbah. I'll change myself after. You have to completely cut yourself off. When that thought comes... To commit a sin. You have to cut yourself off from it. If you don't. And if you carry on with it. The potential to do the sin again. Increases. The potential to do that sin again. Increases. You become more audacious. A person gains more audacity. It's like momentum. You do a sin. Even though you're telling yourself. I won't do it ever again. That's a deception from shaitan. When you do a sin. For the first time you break that kind of sensitivity that you had to that sin. And every single time you do it again and again and again, it simply reinforces that sin. If a person has an issue with drinking, you'll find the same thing. The first time they did it, right, there was a sensitivity towards it. There was a type of feeling towards it. And as soon as they did it, after you know, after they completed the act, they felt bad about it. But as time went on, the pleasure for it, shaitan reminds a person of the pleasure of it and they desire to do it again and they do it again. Same thing with any other sin. Whatever sin it may be. Today, in today's day and age, guarding the eyes is very important. One of the most common sins that we find people are involved in. Is not being able to protect their eyes. And even though, you know, in the situation that we're in today, where, you know, most of us are at home, where, where, we're asked not to leave for our, our own safety and the safety of our families and the safety of others. You know, no doubt this is an opportunity for us to get close to Allah Ta'ala, right? We're in a form, in a, in a type of seclusion, in a type of isolation. Yet we have technology available to us. And so because of technology, we're not as isolated or secluded as we think. And so I highly, for those who are young, be very careful. You may be home all day long, but the TV, the the internet, uh, the computer, the phone, all of these things are avenues for shaitan to, to uh, make you trip and fall. And uh, this is something I will tell the parents as well. That if your children are using these devices, be very vigilant. It is your responsibility. If your children are on their phones, if they're on, on their laptops, on, on the, on the, on the TV uh, t- watching, whatever, you have to be very vigilant. They should not be allowed to use any of these things except in your presence. So in any case, this is one of the ways shaitan deceives a person. So just do it once. Just do it once. And oh, Allah, is, Allah is غفور الرحيم. The Prophet wasallam said, الكيس من نفسه وعمل لما بعد الموت. ولا عاجز من أتبع نفسه هواها على الله. That the intelligent in individual is one who subdues his inner self, his inner desires. And he prepares for the hereafter. Whatever opportunity he has. Whatever opportunity he gets, he uses that to prepare for the hereafter. Because he knows that this life is for a short period of time. This life is temporary. And the hereafter is everlasting. That's why he's intelligent. He's preparing for something that's everlasting. And the foolish individual, wal aajizu, the foolish individual, is one who continues to follow his internal desires. wal aajizu man atba'a nafsahu hawaha. He continues to follow his nafs. Whatever desire his nafs takes him to, he follows that. And what does he have? tamanna ala Allah. He has his false hope. Allah Ta'ala is ghafoor ar No doubt Allah Ta'ala is ghafoor ar but remember, Allah Taala is also Qahar, Allah Taala is also Jabbar. Allah Taala is also Al Aziz. You are breaking a commandment of Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. A person is breaking a commandment of Allah Taala. That's not not that's not something small. That's not something insignificant. You know, oftentimes in Aqidah, there's this discussion of major sin or minor sin, and When it comes to this division of major and minor sin, that is from a very technical point of view. We're talking about it from a academic, from a academic perspective. Otherwise, for a believer, a sin is a sin, irrespective whether it's a minor sin or a major sin. A believer he looks at a sin as disobedience to Allah. He doesn't look, oh well, this was a minor sin. Oh, I committed a uh, maybe a minor. It wasn't a major sin. He doesn't look at it like that. He looks at it from what perspective? I, every sin is disobedience to Allah. I cannot disobey Allah. That's how he looks at it. That's how she looks at it. It comes in another narration that when a, uh, when a, um, hypocrite commits a sin, it's like, you know, a fly. It's like a fly that, that's bothering him, that's, that's trying to sit on his nose or on his face. What does he do? He shoes it away. That's how he treats a sin. It's not a big deal. It Shoes it away. It's like something insignificant. But for a believer, a sin is like a mountain that's on his shoulders. It's something very burdening. So, at the same time, if a person has committed a sin, immediately make tawbah to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Immediately make tawbah to Allah ta'ala. And part of sincere tawbah, tawba tan nasuha, is that you make a determined resolve to never commit that sin again. And not only that, you have to be intelligent. What do I mean by being intelligent? Take the proper precautions necessary to avoid that sin. If a person, for example, has a drinking problem, he will find that there are triggers. There are triggers that if he uh, um, uh, finds himself in certain areas, or if he goes certain places, it will trigger that desire to drink. So what do you do? Take the proper necessary precautions. Avoid those places. If a person has an issue with watching something inappropriate online, then you have to take the proper precautions. Okay, don't use your laptop or your computer by yourself. Use it with family. Use it when there's people around. Whatever the case may be. If a person finds themselves that they're always backbiting, they're they're always lying, you'll always find that there are triggers. Well, make sure, take the proper precautions so that you don't get triggered. So, in any case, the intelligent one does that. He he takes takes a lesson from it. And as I said, Sincere repentance to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Not only does it include uh, this idea that you make a determined resolve not to commit the sin again, but at the same time, you are intelligent, you are smart, and so you take the proper necessary precautions to avoid that. Okay? Another example of that is when it comes to, you know, uh, what we're doing now, today. You know, we're taking necessary precautions in order to ensure that the disease doesn't spread any further. Why? We're being smart about it. Right? We're being, whatever precautions that are available to us, we're using that. So, same thing when it comes to sins. You have a determined resolve not to do that sin. But that determined resolve. Keep in mind, we're human beings. If you put yourself in 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 the environment of those triggers, you're gonna you're gonna be bound to to commit that sin again. So in any case, going back to this ayah, ayah number nine, Watakunu min badi salihin. This is a deception from Shaitan. Be careful. Be careful of that. One of them, he says, no, la taqtulu Yusuf. This is a very heinous crime to kill someone. La taqtulu Yusuf. Let's do something else. That would get rid of the problem. At the same time, it won't allow us to commit, you know, قَتَل. Murder our brother. What is that? فِي غَيَابَةِ الجب. Throw him in a well. بَعْدُ Maybe a caravan passing by will grab him. If, if you're going to do anything, do this. Don't kill. So they ended up deciding this. And they came up with a, a, a plot to... Take Yusuf alayhi salam, separate Yusuf alayhi salam from his father, from Yaqub, from their father. Yaqub alayhi salam was generally very protective of Yusuf alayhi salam. So they had to come up with a way to separate Yusuf alayhi salam from Yaqub alayhi salam. And so they approached Yaqub alayhisalam. salam saqalu ya ayah number eleven. ya abana ma laka la Yusuf. Oh our father, what is it that you don't trust us with Yusuf? Inna lahu, la nasihun. We're, we're uh, um we have good for him. Nasihah, we often translate as advice, but Nasihah actually means, uh, um, as it's put by the scholars, iradatul khair lil ghayr, is to intend good for another individual. So Nasihah doesn't always have to be a verbal advice. Doing something good for another could be also Nasihah. Okay. Arsilhu ma'ana Send him with us tomorrow. Uh, that way, you know, we'll go, we'll, we'll play, uh, um, and will protect him. So Yaqub says, you know, separa- se- uh, Yusuf separating from me, this is going to bring me a lot of grief. You taking him from me, that separation is going to uh, cause me a little bit of grief. And I also fear that perhaps a-, a-, a wolf or something may eat him, because uh, uh, where they were planning to go was an area, it was a jungle area, it was a forest area. And you in your play, you may forget, you may become negligent of Yusuf, and maybe a wolf comes in and, and uh causes him harm. So in response, what did they say? Say Akalahu Thibbut ayah number fourteen, callula in akalahu وَنَحْنُ anahnu, a wolf eating him, consuming him, while we are a strong group of of of, of men. You know, we're going we're gonna to be at uh, you know, utter loss if we, if we let that happen. In any case, their, their plan was to take Yusuf alayhi salam. However they could, they convinced their father and they took him. And as soon as they took him, they went straight to a well that was there. Um, they all agreed unanimously to then throw him in that well. And that's what they did. وَأَوْحَيْنَا إليه. And Allah Ta'ala says, We reveal to him, لَتُنَبِّ أَنَّهُمْ بِأَمْرِهِمْ هَذَا وَهُمْ لَا يَشْعُرُونَ You will inform them of what they've done. And they won't, وَهُمْ لَا يشعرون, They won't even know. any This is a promise from Allah Ta'ala at this time. that Look, right now, your brothers have gathered together. And they've thrown you in a well alone. And Allah knows how much time Yusuf must have spent alone in the well. And he's not—he's a young boy. And at that time, Allah Ta'ala gives this solace to him, this comfort, that one day will come. You will inform them of what they did. And they won't even realize that, any, that their matter will come to play. They won't even know what has happened. And for those who have already heard the story of Yusuf السلام, we see throughout. That at one point Yusuf becomes one of the most influential people. And his brothers have no idea that that's Yusuf. Anyways, after they decided to do this, they took the the shirt of Yusuf because they have to show some evidence, they have to show something to their father. And they took advantage of their father's fear. That perhaps a wolf may come and a wolf may, may eat Yusuf. And so, taking advantage of their father's fear, they take the 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 shirt of Yusuf alaihissalam. They uh, drench it in. Uh, they slaughter a sheep. They drench the shirt in the uh, um, uh, in its blood. And in this process, they forget that if a wolf is going to eat Yusuf salam, he's probably going to tear apart his shirt. According to some mufassirin, they forget. And this is what happens when a person gets caught up in a lie. You know, say one lie leads to another lie, which leads to another lie. There's going to be some holes in your story. And this is what happens is in this lie, they get caught up. And they, they, they're not able to take care of everything. And so when they bring the shirt, the shirt is intact. and has blood on it. And so when Yusuf sees it, and they come at night. They come at night, and they're they're, they're crying. Because they don't want to show their father. You know, when a person cries, if they're sin- if they're sincere in their cry, you could tell from their face. And if they're faking, if you see their face, you could tell. So they took the cover of the night. They used the night as a shield for them. And they came in crying. Why? Because they weren't really sad. They weren't really upset. They were happy. But how to convince their, fa- their father? yabkun ayah number 16. They came to their father at night time in the evening, yabkun, crying. We were racing and we left Yusuf and with our goods, and a wolf came and he ate him. And we know you're not going to believe us. Look at how they're, they're spinning the story. You're not going to believe us, even if we're true. And so what did they do waja'u ala qamisi bidamin kadhib that they brought forth his shirt with false blood it isn't the actual blood of yusuf Alayhi salam and yaqub Alayhi salam already recognized lakum anfusukum this is what your nafs it compelled you to do fa sabrun yusuf yaqub alayhis salam is a prophet of allah ta'ala he recognizes that there are certain things that allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has decreed and there's nothing you and I can do when Allah Ta'ala has decreed something. Whatever is in our means, that's what we can do. Beyond that, we have no control. And that's what Ya'qub a.s. recognized. And so recognizing this, he said, فَصَبْرٌ جَمِيلٌ وَاللَّهُ الْمُسْتَعَانُ عَلَى مَا تَصِيفُونَ Allah is the one who help is sought from on what you describe. And On whatever you've described, whatever has happened to Yusuf, Allah is the one that's going to assist. This is what we say. This is what we say every single day, multiple times during the day when we pray salah. You alone we worship. You alone do we seek help from. Ya Allah, you alone we worship. Ya Allah, you alone we seek help from. Sabr is not contrary to making dua. People sometimes think that, you know, sabr means that if you're going through something, not having any emotion, that is sabr. No, that is not sabr. The sabr of a servant of Allah is that he does not whine. He does not complain about the decision of Allah Ta'ala. Ya Allah, why did you do this? Ya Allah, how could you have done this? Ya Allah, is there no one but me that you could have done this to? This is inappropriate. This is something that a servant does not do. Huh. What does a servant do? He puts his hands in front and he makes, Ya Allah, I am weak. Ya Allah, please remove this musibah. So making du'a is not contrary to sabr, is not contrary to patience. We find ourselves in in this situation that we're in. We make du'a to Allah. We show our our uh, uh, inability. And in fact, perhaps this whole situation, you know, the more I think about it, the more I think about it, the situation that we're in, the world is in, is a reminder that we as human beings, no matter we live in the 21st century, no matter we live in an era of, you know, technological advancement, you know, we live in an era where we have this and we have that, we can build skyscrapers that touch the sky. Yet all of, yet a, 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 an infection, a disease that it cannot be seen by the naked eye has the whole world at its at its knees. Has a whole world at its knees. It's a reminder. You are servants of Allah Ta'ala. You are slaves of Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala. Act like slaves of Allah Ta'ala. Allah is your, your Rabb. It's not money. Money is not your Lord. Your job is not your Lord. Your body is not your Lord. Your friends, your family, they're not your Lord. Your Lord is Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala. The one who created you. Your worship should be directed towards Him. You should not, in order to please other things, or in order to please other people, or in order to please yourself, violate the commandments of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You answer to Allah. So if Allah is asking you to do something, if Allah is demanding you to do something, if Allah is ordering you to do something, you're not going to look at what what such and such thing is asking, what such and such thing is demanding. No, we worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We worship Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. So, from this story, at this part, at this stage, this is how we understand sabr. And one last thing, you know, uh, uh, I think you know when it comes to the story of Yusuf Alayhi Salam, I, I knew in the back of my mind it would be very difficult to finish it all in in one uh, in one session. So hopefully, maybe uh, next. Next uh, Monday, we'll, we'll finish the story. But the last thing that I want to finish off with talking about sabah is that sabr manifests in three ways. Often when we think about sabr, we think about it in the time of musibah. We think about it in a time of difficulty. Like for example, we're in a difficulty. We, we There's nothing you can do. Okay, you need to have patience. You need to have patience. Be patient. Be patient means what? Don't. Complain about the the you, you can complain to Allah, but don't complain about what Allah has decreed. You want to complain to Allah, complain to Allah about your own weakness. Ya Allah I'm weak. Turn towards Allah and about your own weakness. Right? So this is a one type of this is one place where patience manifests, is in a time of Musiba. For example, you have a loss of a, a loved one. Nabi said, uh, uh, والسلام, Patience is manifested when, when affliction first strikes. anyone uh, When a musibah first strikes, how does a person react? You can cry. Crying is not against patience. In fact, when the Prophet son passed away, Ibrahim, Nabi had tears in his eyes. What did the Prophet say? said, بِفِرَاقِكْ يَا إِبْرَاهِيمُ We are sad. We are grieving at your separation, O Ibrahim. But we will not say anything that will accept, that will please Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And we're not going to say anything that displeases Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is the decision of Allah. As human beings, yeah, when when situations get difficult, it is you know part of natural human instinct that maybe a person breaks down crying. So you can cry to Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. That's not against patience. But how you react? What do you do? Do you start to complain about the decisions of Allah? In the past, when a, when a family member would, would pass away, among the Arabs they had this col- this cultural thing that they would you know the woman would scratch their their cheeks. They would tear their clothes and they would start screaming and wailing. Do this, you know, uh, demonstration of their of their loss. This is all against patience. So this is one place where patience is manifested. Another pa- place where patience is manifested is during worship. You know you have to worship Allah Ta'ala, and you don't want to. So, sabar, the literal meaning of Sabar is to is to restrain your nafs. So you know you have to pray. Abu Isha time is going to come. You have to pray Isha. You don't feel like praying Isha. You feel like you have to restrain yourself. And while you're praying, you're going to have the urge to try to pray in matter of moments and in seconds. Do sajda quickly. Do Ruku quickly. You have to restrain yourself. Fasting. Ramadan is called you know Shahrul Sabar. Why? Because you're restraining yourself. You're restraining yourself from food and drink. So, likewise, sabr is needed in order to continue good deeds. And the last place sabr is needed is at the time of sin. Because, again, what is sabr? Sabr is restraining oneself. Restraining oneself. So, when you are, you are facing a sin. Your eyes are telling you to look at something. Your ears are telling you to listen to something you're not supposed to. Your hands are telling you to touch something you're not supposed to. Uh, you want to eat something that you're not supposed to. You want to go to some place where you're not supposed to. You need sabr at that time. And sabr is what? Restraining yourself. Restraining yourself from that which Allah has prohibited. And what does Allah Ta'ala say in reward for the one who is patient? Innama yuwaffa الصabiroona ajrahun bi ghayri isab. Allahu akbar. Innama <inaudible> yuwaffa الصabiroona ajrahun bi ghayri isab. An yawmul qiyamah, Allah Ta'ala will give those who are patient a type of reward without any calculation. Other deeds may be calculated. They could be multiplied by 10 times. They could be multiplied by 100 times. They could be multiplied by 700 times. But patience is one of those things where Allah Ta'ala says, بغيري isab, Without any calculation it will be rewarded. So we ask Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala that Ya Allah, He give us patience during this difficult time. And that He relieves us of the difficulty that we're in. We are servants of Allah. Ya Allah, we express our... Uh, our inability in this situation ya allah we express our weakness in this situation ya allah we are your servants and ya allah we ask that you you uh, grant us uh, relief from this and ya allah those from uh, uh, who are sick ya allah those who, who have been affected ya allah you give them a cure ya allah you you take care of their needs and ya allah you you give us the tawfiq that we use this opportunity to get close to you you give us the, you give us tawfiq that we use the opportunity that we've been given to get close to you. Subhanallah wa bihamdihi. Subhanakallahumma wa nashhadu nashadu la ilaha illa Ant. Nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilayk. Assalamu alaykum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh.